Hi, everyone. Seth Abramovich here, senior writer at The Hollywood Reporter. And Chip Pope just had Chinese food. <laughs> we did it. We made it. It's the final episode of the second season of It Happened in Hollywood. We've got a great guest for this final episode. Yeah, we wanted to turn the final episode into a kind of party. So loosen up, because it's a fun one. Chip, why don't you introduce the, today's guest? We got was... Lucy Goosey. Well, I've known this guy for about 20 years now. Wow. We're uh, friends in comedy. Been to his house, not bragging, but mostly it's uh, one of those uh, comedy relationships where you respect each other's comedy, which is far and few between in the comedy world. Okay. So do you want to say who the guest is? Because you haven't said Our it. guest is, we could say it at the same time, <laughs> Zach Galifianakis on It Happened in Hollywood. Okay, so this is it, the finale party. And uh, as we mentioned before, Zach Galifianakis, uh, probably one of the most hilarious people on the planet. Definitely. Is here, friend of Chip Pope's. So this is the first time we have an actual friend of one of the hosts here. He but very... let's not let that mar our uh, professional journalism <laughs> objectivity. Well, uh. <laughs> I don't know if we delve deeply, but he's a, a way deeper guy than you might give him credit for. You, you, you know, you know him from stuff like the Hangover movies and Between Two Ferns and that's kind of deadpan comedy that he does. Oh, and um, uh, his clown show. Oh, yes, Baskets, baskets of course. Which the is brilliant hilarious. Baskets. So um, funny, so good. Which started a renaissance of Louis Anderson, who I've been a fan of since I was a kid. Yes. Love Louis Anderson. So, If um, you've never seen it, check it out. It's on FX on Hulu. He was as hilarious and charming as, um, as I thought he was going to be, but he also has some very strong opinions about... A lot of it has to do with the way society and technology are moving. Right. And also about how Hollywood works and all all stuff I obsess about, whether I want to or not. It's just stuff I'm thinking about all the time. So it was really fun to hear to hear his thoughts on that. So what I kind of liked about this episode is that this kind of feels like an old school podcast in that it was two comedians just going at it. Right. But you were there, two comedians and a respected, serious journalist. <laughs> I was I mean, tossing in the occasional question to try to, you know get some usable information out of him but uh, <laughs> right because we were ostensibly supposed to talk about the hangover yeah because that's what we do we on got our show. there we eventually focus on one thing this is we uh we kind of raid on chong this one yes but um you know it was worth it because zach is so funny and so smart yeah oh uh, yeah so we will get to the hangover just uh, bear with us and and we promise you'll have some fun How's that, Chip? That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> All right. Wow. This party's raging already. Let's get into this. Let's party down. So, well, a lot of you might think that Zach grew up in Hollywood as a movie star. But that's not true. <laughs> Why would they think that? <laughs> because, you know, you have to think that our listeners are... Because he's the quintessential L.A. guy? Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's not even that. I don't know. <laughs> you might think that all movie stars grow up in Hollywood, but not Zach. <laughs> oh, no? No. Okay. Well, let's let's start at the beginning and find out a little bit about where Zach comes from. You grew up in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So 
When you first started getting interested in comedy, maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, textbook 101 question. But, yeah. But stuff I don't know about you, really, the, the early beginnings. But, I thought uh, when we first met, I gave you my autobiography that I had written. No? Uh, yes. Yes, and. It was called Yes, and. <laughs> uh, yeah, Improv I'm from, rules. I'm from North Carolina, and are you, were you going to ask me about... I was going to just ask about just weirdos from there that maybe you thought oh, were man, interesting I growing up. Best. I mean, that's the thing about the South. It is not watered down. It's so great. The character, the people are just... There was a... There was a guy, I was just telling somebody this the other day, in eighth grade, our teacher asked what the national sport of China was. And without hesitation, this kid, Robert, raised his hand and wasn't making a joke. He said, rice hockey. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm looking around, I'm looking around to see if anybody else thinks this is funny. It's not cluing into anybody else. The teacher goes, I don't think that's it. So oh there's just God. such great, you know, <laughs> uh, I do, I do, I do love the South for that, for that reason. I did the characters. I mean, I grew up with really great, um, you know, just, just great characters. I mean, you're from Texas, right? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, you know, those Southern, those Southern types. We have those weirdos. Yeah. Is that where Seth comes from? You're... Well, Seth was, a, um, Seth was a character I did in high school for African-American kids. Um, and he... That character was a thing that I was, I guess, looking back on it, you know, when you're doing it, you, you're just trying to make people laugh. And I think there was a conscious effort to make fun of racism where I was, because uh, it was, it's everywhere. And uh, so I, that character, Seth, was a character that the black kids in my high school knew about. The white kids didn't necessarily know about it. Wow. And they would bump me in the hallway cause to let this character come out. That was kind of the, the code. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I would make fun of racism to the black kids. But I would say stuff like, as a redneck, in an effeminate voice, which is also interesting that an effeminate guy would be racist to me is interesting. <laughs> is interesting. I don't know why yes. that is. And uh, they would bump me, and I would look at them and go, my mom told me not to talk to colored people and they would laugh so hard because they knew that I was making fun, what I was making fun of. So it was a way of, it was just really just this weird uh, thing that I was doing to, I don't, you know, I was doing it to make people laugh. There was no like conscious thing behind it. But uh, it's, it's funny that the, I don't know if any of the white kids knew about it. <laughs> it's, it's funny. That's, but that's how that came about was that. And then I shelved it. I never even, and then I brought it back one night. I was co-hosting with Jimmy Kimmel on television. He used to have a co-host and I was out of tricks. I'd already done it for four nights in a row. You know, I just shaved. And then I kind of thought, oh, I could just, maybe if I play my brother (laughs) and make fun of me, that's, and that's that. So I hadn't done it for years. And then I did it live, actually performed it on television uh, on Jimmy. First time, I I hadn't thought about it. So it was kind of out of desperation that I brought him. But it was the first time I'd even done anything with that that Seth character. Well, well, I mean, thank you for coming. We appreciate it. What do you do for a living there? I'm a high school football coach. so you're, you're, the, you're the head coach of the head team? Head coach of the, uh, we're called the Flaming Arrows. 
Is the team good? Is it a good team? Uh, we're six. We're, well, last year we were six and seven. Uh, but uh, we're hopefully we're going to improve. We're going to improve. Yeah, of course. And this is your first time on television, right? First time on television. I, I like television a lot. I've seen it. Well, sure, yeah. I love, I love CBS and... Yeah, well, this is ABC that we're on. Oh, hey, this is ABC? Yeah. I like uh, George Lopez's show. He's oh, you know. funny. He is. He's very funny. George Lopez. It's a fam like a family show. Yeah, I like family stuff. Oh, you do? Just to uh, clear up any confusion, if you're not familiar with Seth, has nothing to do with me. It has to do with this uh, twin <laughs> brother that he has, who for, who for no real explained reason is a southern effeminate yes. um, bell. And then he did pretty much a version of that for that movie, The Campaign, with Will Ferrell. <laughs> right. Yeah, that right. was basically just Seth Galifianakis and, <laughs> and Will Ferrell. And he also great plays that it. You could do that for a whole movie. On Baskets, he also plays it. Doesn't his oh, right. His brother. Yes, of course. <laughs> so he brings Seth back a lot. Chip. But, <laughs> That's right. weird, right? His name's Chip. Seth and Chip. Oh, my God. I never thought of that till right now. Hold on. Whoa. That's crazy. But he didn't know me before. So Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so like a lot of comedians, he grew up wanting to make his family laugh and he came from a family that had a funny streak. Yeah, I, I was really uh, fascinated to learn about his his family growing up because it was a very unusual blending of two very different cultures in the Deep South. Humor has always been a thing in my family. It's held very high in the way we communicate. So it's always, as a, as a kid, it just was always around. My family's just mm -hmm. always pretty uh, flippant, right, if right. you will. My dad told me he always wanted to be in the entertainment business. He told me that as a kid. My parents, and my dad, you know, had gas stations and, a, a whole, and my mom worked at a community uh, center for the arts. But um, humor just was a thing. I, my parents, uh, they definitely nurtured it. That's uh -huh. for sure. They nurtured it. Who did they uh, introduce you to? Well, my dad growing up was uh, Benny Hill. Oh, my gosh. But MASH. Okay. Uh, All in Family was huge. Uh, Red Fox in my family was huge. Mm -hmm. But as far as like Hollywood and what they were offering. But my influences weren't there. My influences were from my family more than in my And people I grew up with. Doing imitations of people. Doing imitations. Also, my cousins are really funny. They're really, really funny people. And my brother and sister are. Sister are. So I just I just knew from an early age that that was something that was of interest to me. And I was the quiet one. I, I just watched my older cousins make the adults laugh. And mm -hmm. I, I was very influenced by that. Ah, okay. Your family was half Greek, half what? Yeah, it's a weird mix. It's half Greek. And half Appalachian, uh, which is a <laughs> we, it, that's a, I mean now that I'm fifty, you you have kids and you start to reflect where you come from, blah blah blah, and that's a weird, bizarre mix. Now that I think, about. I was just talking to my sister about it. We were in Greece together a few weeks ago, and um, it's a very oil and water uh, type of not that they everybody got along. It wasn't that. Um, it just culturally was to extremes, uh, which is one of the great things about this country is that we, we, you know, it's, it's, it's great, but looking back, it's, uh, the Greeks and then the Scotch Irish from the mountains of North Carolina are, they're, they're different <laughs> not to judge a whole culture, but you know, there's, there's, there's 
Greeks are very, very warm, very, very warm people. And uh, drinking is a big in that in the Greek society. Uh, Scotch Irish side is <laughs> it's a little drinking. Not big. Yeah, so it's an interesting mix. It, 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 it's it, I think as a child it was actually kind of confusing, but uh, there was love on both sides, which is great. I'm very fortunate that way. I don't come from that family like a lot of comics come from of turmoil and all that. It's mm-hmm. there, it was a lot of there was a lot of love. From from both parents. Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's inspiring. But boring. sometimes, nah, not really. I mean, you want me to say something like my dad used to take off his belt yes. and say, not turn around and spank our fronts. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you gonna well, get, we did get spanked. You're going to get dick whipped. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so there, there you have a. Uh, an unusual but a happy childhood. Yes. And I, I love that friction between the oil and water of the two cultures. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting. Some comics have that nice childhood, you know, like Seinfeld, where they don't understand why everyone has such a sad childhood. And they're just like, can't it just be I'm offering entertainment to people? Why does it have to be sad? <laughs> and I've heard him say that before. That's a good Seinfeld, but but Zach's comedy seems to come from a, a more uh, not angry, right. but oh. uh, d- um, well, he definitely can snap for humor effect. But he's I see him more as lighthearted and surreal. Personally. Yeah, I guess I guess so. But definitely he does snap when he when he gets upset with the audience and thinks they're a bunch of idiots. It's always <laughs> fun to watch. <laughs> Okay, so let's just like lay a little pipe between his life there. He's all right. So Zach has this kind of interesting upbringing, and uh, he's getting laughs by doing impressions of his family and whatnot. And so uh, he decides to move to the big city and become an actor. So yeah, moved to New York. Uh, moved up with my cousin Dean, and we were driving over the George Washington Bridge in a U-Haul. And I'll never forget, he said to me, we just locked ourselves into the world's largest prison. <laughs> I was like, that's not my attitude. I mean, as the days went by, I had no money. Like, I don't know how to escape this prison. So it'd be, it, I'll just never forget. Because if you look at New York, if you don't have any money and you go into that situation, it, it, it kind of does, it kind of has this prison-esque, if that's a word, uh, feeling when you're going over the George Washington Bridge, because it's being from the South and from a small town, you don't know what that is. Right. What are you getting into? I, I have n- no idea what I was doing. But yeah, so I, I moved there in 92, I think. Yeah, 92. Oh, wow. And so uh, did you do clubs at first or you tried no, to No, I didn't do anything. Or... I went to acting classes at first when I first got to New York. I tried to be an actor. My goal was, you know, when you hear stories about, when you hear entertainers go, well, I had this acting coach and they took me under their wing and I learned everything. I don't know, that never happened to me. <laughs> you know, I just, no one was interested. Um, so that didn't pan out. I actually had acting teachers tell me that, hey, this is probably not a place for you. <laughs> acting class? <laughs> what? I thought you guys let anybody in here. But this one acting coach, she goes, like, you know, this is not a place for you to come do your s- skits. That's what she told me. Oh, boy. Because I, and looking back, I don't remember what I was doing, but I was probably trying to be funny. And at 20-something, you know, either are really funny because you figured it out or you're trying to figure it out still. So that didn't take off. And then I met a woman from Texas, Lisa Delirios. Yeah. Who you know. Mm-hmm. And 
she had moved to New York to become a stand-up. And we became friends. And I started going to comedy clubs by myself. But she told me I should look into stand-up. It was something I entertained. Because I just wanted to figure out how to get in the door. Mm -hmm. Again, no knowledge of anything. I was a PA in New York for a long time to try to figure out what does it mean to act in front of the camera? Like, what does it, what is it? Cause there's no, there were no books or I didn't know of anything or there was no classes or I couldn't afford the classes. So I had to go work to try to figure it out. So I was a PA on this show with uh, Wallace Shawn, you know, Wallace Shawn, the actor. Mm-hmm. My job was to drive him from Manhattan to Woodstock, I think every day. And he eventually told the producer to have me to stop driving him because I asked too many questions about acting, <laughs> which I completely understand now. I would hate if some PA was asking me. Um, and, you know, you just try all these like ways. If, you, if you're clueless and you're in your 20s and you don't have any reference and you don't know anybody in show business, I think, at least for me, it was trying a lot of different avenues to see. But when I did stand up, that was it. That was it was over. I knew that was going to be my attempt at entertainment. That was going to be the avenue. Just, I love this image of him driving Wallace Shawn and just driving him insane, like my dinner with Andre, but it's the <laughs> PA and the the older actor. And But are, Zach did end up playing an acting coach. Oh, he did? On TV. Clearly, on he, Tim and Eric shows. So he, uh, maybe we have a clip of that. He made lemonade. Yes. <laughs> Out of that unpleasant memory of the acting teacher who told him to choose something else. What's the instrument on an actor's body or, or soul that, that helps them the most? Your heart. Wrong! Isaac. Hip bones? Jawbone? You think I'm an idiot? It's your nose! Why is it your nose? Because you can change your voice. You can become different characters. For instance, what do I do when I press my nose? Hello, governor! Hello, governor! Hello, governor! Yes! Uh, Z-Bon Oberon, get me some iced tea! See what I did there? I modified what, how I was holding my nose. So when it comes to starting comedy, it's pretty daunting because you don't know who you are yet as far as comedy goes, what you're going to talk about, what you're going to do. You just have this idea of what you're going to do and you get up there and you just try to be funny and it takes a while to find your voice. And so when you start, what, like what, like typically what do you do? It could be anything. It could just be like joke jokes. You know, some, some people go up and their first set is doing an entire Bill Cosby routine or something. And somebody goes, hey, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, it's, just people start out pretty clueless. Well, I thought it was cool to learn uh, how Zach kind of got his uh, sea legs on stage. I remember one of my first jokes. <sighs> the podcast world can't see this, but I'm really rolling my eyes. <laughs> and they almost got stuck. Um, and this woman said to me, we were drinking the other night. And we ended up at her house. And she said to me, hey, Zach, if you want, you can stay on my futon. And I'll tell you guys what I told her. I don't sleep on anything that rhymes with crouton. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't even I don't even know what that is. It's not even a 
It's not a joke. It's a rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a rhyme. That's all it is. And it's just set up so seriously, though. I don't know what, why that was uh, the joke that I remember. And I did well the first time, but, but the, the 72 times following, I did not do. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a. That's how it works, kind of. You get the bug and then. For a while, it's rough yeah. sailing. It's, I mean, it's it's a lonely existence. It still is. I mean, I do stand-ups. Stand-ups. I still do stand-ups. <laughs> Your skits. <laughs> I'm a goof about. Um, and um, I, I, you know, sometimes the drive home is, 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 is lonely. Because, you know, it wasn't the set that you should have or maybe could have had. Right. Yeah, my problem sometimes with stand-up is just going, ah, I can just pull this out of my ass and then, you know, just not preparing as much as I should. That's that's usually the times when I feel like, ah, I could have done better if I would just... But at this point, like, yes, I have jokes that I've written aside, and but I wish I would not refer to them. Mm-hmm. I feel like now, in other words, if you went into a living room and you had to hold court, you would know how to do that, probably. Mm-hmm. I have not yet yeah. found the looseness of like, I'm not going to do any of my, I'm going to make it up as I go out there. I've always wanted to do that. You've never done that? I, I feel like you've. Do you feel like my whole like done- Well, I always have my jokes. <laughs> make it and look I, like- oh, 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 yeah, I'm always all over the map. I'm like, that's all real. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but as far as like referring to that list, I wish I wouldn't refer to the list. I wish I could just. You know, be overly entertaining like I am now on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That sound you just heard is delete from. (laughs) How many people listen to a Hollywood Reporter podcast? I mean, I've read this magazine twice in my life and both times were at the dentist office. (laughs) I mean, honestly, who reads the Hollywood Reporter? Executives that have. You do? Oh, oh, did you hear that this asshole from CBS left? Great. What a great story. A prexy It's angled. not about the business. <laughs> These executives shouldn't get any attention. Look, I want to know about when someone goes from being super, super extremely rich to even more extremely rich. I think that's interesting. Oh right, yeah, you're talking about the yeah, the yeah. Tell tell me tell me when about someone how they makes gonna... a wealthy rich deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh good, the money's going to this guy. Executive good, yeah. headshots. I love I love the idea that you know somebody who runs CVS is forced to sit in <laughs> in a room with a photographer. Okay, look pretty for me, baby. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like I wonder who takes the executive yeah. headshots. I don't know any people like. Do you know like executive types? No. I don't know. I mean, I know them. I know I've worked one. with them, but I don't. I've always been on shows where people get ahead by, by knowing them, but I never had any interest. Right. When they're just like, oh, we went hiking with so-and-so. I'm like, what? why Why would you? Oh, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. It's like the, the Hollywood, obviously, I'm joking, but it is, it is, a, it is a business. It is a business. And I, I forget that this is a business. I shouldn't no. forget it. But it is a... Because when you're a kid, you don't ever think about the business part of it. Right. It's when you're fun. dreaming about it, you're not, oh, well, I, this is going to be exciting. There's a business to it. Yeah. When was the first time you kind of realized that? Like, do you remember, what was the first TV show you were on where you kind of go, oh, this is, was it Apartment 2F? Or was it I think that was that? the first show where I was like on camera. Yeah. With the Sklar brothers. 
who are now doing Dancing with the Sklars. <laughs> Thank you. This is probably the only room I could do that joke in. Unless Randy and Jason were here. Um, great. Those guys are such nice guys. So it's fun to get together with Zach, but there's a lot of circular conversations. Right. So there's some stuff we never get to. So before The Hangover, there was about 10 years of stuff that we didn't talk about, but Zach was always working. He was always getting roles because he's super hilarious. He hosted a talk show on VH1 that lasted for a short time, but it was very funny. That was when I first took notice of him. Right. And uh, he was in these movies. He was in like Out Cold, Bubble Boy, you know, just these, these parts where Hollywood didn't exactly know what to do with him, but everybody in the industry knew him. Knew he was very funny. Oh, oh, him. he was on uh, one one of his big uh, breaks and exposure was when Letterman had his heart attack, and Janine Garofalo was hosting the show, and she let Zach on. Zach was on for like ten minutes on one of those episodes, and that, he killed. That, that, yeah, and that was like big exposure for him. Please don't laugh. None of this is funny. <laughs> in LA and that's short for Los Angeles. And I like to hang out in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. The other night I was there and I was making out with a squatter in front of Ripley's Believe It or Not. And I had just got a henna tattoo that said forever. drinking that night and by the way you know you have a drinking problem when the bartender knows your name and you've never been to that bar before so he's definitely rep developing a reputation as being a very funny offbeat uh strange and brilliant kind of comedian yeah um people are noticing him but he hasn't hit the mainstream at all I remember I was editing a website called Defamer and some someone slipped this video of him standing in the audience at the Ellen DeGeneres show and refusing to dance. And I remember writing it up the story and it did very well. And it was hilarious video. If you could just picture, you know, her audience going crazy and him... Zach Galifianakis standing there and uh, refusing. His arms folded up or something? He, or? he just was looking really awkward and kind of shuffling side to side, like, but not having it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a visual. You, you can't uh -huh. really relate on podcasts, but it always stuck with me. So um, I had to ask him what the, what the story was behind that story. When my uh, girlfriend at the time, my wife now, uh, wanted, she wanted, when she first moved to California, she wanted to go see a TV show. Ugh. I'm like, okay. It's <laughs> the last thing on earth I want to do. Let's drive to Burbank. <laughs> and um, so we went. And my wife, uh, and who doesn't love Ellen DeGeneres? I mean, she's she's very funny. and But I did not want to be there. <laughs> and she makes the audience, oh, I don't know if she does, but the warm-up person, they dance for an hour. Before. Like, everybody dances. Because they're so excited. You're so excited to see this person. And so everybody's, damn, this is how Nazism formed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I didn't, 
I just was trying to, I was just kind of miffed and I was looking around and I was just trying to make sense of it. That's all I was trying to do is make sense of it. And then uh, my friend Karen Kilgariff later told me that uh, Ellen did not like the fact that I, this, this, I was not known at all. I mean, I was just a, I was just a, you know, a dumb. Yeah, it was pre-hangover. And, and so there's supposedly there's, I don't know if it's still on, but there was a video of it online. I didn't know I was being filmed, so you can watch it. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's funny if you know the story behind it. So, Like, were you really annoyed, or were you kind of doing a character? Well, I didn't know I was being filmed. Okay. That's just me being yeah, me. Yeah, they filmed the whole thing. Yeah. I, like, I, I, why, would it, why would the audience be filmed? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, so, uh, and then, um, yeah, it was just this weird thing. And then... I have always, I mean, I don't know Ellen DeGeneres, but I, I, if I ever met her, I would like to, I don't know, apolo- not apologize, but I, mean, I haven't been on the show since. Wow. <laughs> since I was an audience member. But boy, they dance. Boy, they dance. So she didn't have you. I thought the story goes that she had someone remove you from the audience or tell or force you to. No, what happened was somebody came up to me and, I, and said, hey, uh, Ellen sees you're not dancing and she wants you to leave. And then my friend, I had several friends work there. My friends were like, no, no, we know him. We know him. He's, a he, he doesn't know how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew some of the writers at that point, I guess, because I... Fitzsimmons? Yeah, I knew a couple of the people there. Uh, and um, I don't know if Greg was working there at the time. But uh, yeah, it was just this weird thing. The, uh, everybody's so enthusiastic and dancing. And then you see this little short, you know... <laughs> bearded guy trying to figure it out it was not <laughs> anything but just me trying to i'd never been to a chalk show where there was so much movement from the audience uh i could have used that in a lot of talk shows that i've done i could have used that energy because it was really i don't know who the warm-up person was but they were great throwing out t-shirts and candy and dancing and it's kind of anti-comedy though <laughs> <laughs> So there, there he is. It. He's uh, making friends on the Ellen Show, and uh, he's doing these roles, doing parts. And uh, he had a Comedy Central show that was on for a while with some uh, Upright Citizens Brigade people, and just uh, some little parts here and there in movies, a dramatic role, and in Into the Wild. Then you know, as happens with every major star, the phone call comes that changes their life forever, and that phone call came from Todd Phillips. Todd, I think, was just watching stand-ups do stand-up and had been circling me to audition for it. And I was in Canada the, Canada at the time, and I had to fly down to audition, which, you know, was a financial thing. And, uh, you know, I've never been good in auditioning, ever, ever. Very bad. The first laugh I ever got in this town after being on 100 auditions was for a drama. <laughs> they were laughing at me. And there were 17 people in the room, and I stopped. And I go, what are you laughing at? And th- that's, that they couldn't believe I asked that. They were like, uh, well, just go keep going. They, they were so, and I felt a real us versus them back then. You know, I'm from the South. You people are private school Hollywood types. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and um, I was mad. I was angry. And I left. But that was the first laugh I ever got. At an audition. For like a dramatic series? It was for... 
It was the play of fighter pilot. And I had to sit in this chair and like pretend <laughs> that I was in battle. No wonder they were laughing. <laughs> I would have laughed my ass off if I had seen me back then. Oh, God, I'm sure it was terrible. I probably was like going pew, pew, pew. <laughs> but if it was for like an airplane movie, it would have been perfect. Yes, if it were a bit of comedy, I would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that feeling of driving to Burbank and investing your day uh, in auditioning and putting your energy and then for there to be no response or just a negative. It, it's like you either have to lie to yourself or just be OK that you might be a vagrant. I mean, it's it's it's. Um, it's a weird uh, this town is weird. It's weird. I don't know why people look up to it so much. Just skipping back here for a little bit, because we, oh, we yeah. got it. It's sensibly our podcast is about the one big thing, the big cultural event in Hollywood history. So you come to audition, mm-hmm. bad at auditions. Mm-hmm. What's it like to audition for The Hangover for Todd Phillips? What was that? Well, I think at that point, I probably had stopped caring to, you know, I think once you figure out, like, just because you did not cause anyone to get excited about you being in the room auditioning doesn't mean that you're not good it just a lot of things have to come together what they want specifically so once i realized that i didn't care as much anymore i mean the good thing is that stand-up was there for me i I could make a living you know here and there as a stand-up so i was i had a lot of freedom going into that audition because i just didn't and Todd, I think, grace, gracefully was laughing during the audition, and that always helps. I didn't think much of it. Even when we got the job, we did the table read. You know, it's an, it's an exciting job because you have a job. But during the middle of that movie, I was at dinner with uh, Ed Helms and Justin Bartha and Bradley. What's it? <laughs> and Bradley Cooper. And I said to them, hey, uh, have you guys ever been in anything good? Because <laughs> I was like, I think this one's going to be a good one. Like, like a hillbilly. Because I had this feeling like, hey, am I the only one that thinks that this is kind of funny? And like, we, we, there was a, like, we were gelling. There was an energy. We liked each other. And I think there was, the, we knew that, not that it was going to be, but we knew this was something we wouldn't be. My whole thing is, as long as it's not too embarrassing, a movie. And this, uh, so, yeah, it was just a feeling that, that I had back then. I remember thinking Todd knew what he wanted. And when you have a director knowing, like, that, what they want, uh, I never already envisioned it, I felt like I was in good hands. And also, he was letting us do different options for takes, because a lot of times you get into these situations like, well, why did you hire me? I mean, I'm a comic. I'm not an actor. I mean, I, I will help you write some of these things. That are, if you use them, don't use them. But I'm not like an act. I'm not a trained actor. So Todd was real cool with that, that letting us breathe our own energies into that. And I think uh, a lot of times that's a really good process comedically is it's a community, community um, effect. I mean, I've been in writers' rooms that I'm kind of in charge of, or I have the. But if there are three writers that are telling me like that's the that's not a good joke, fine, I bow out. I mean, you know, it should be a democracy, a little bit of this, because you're trying to appeal to an audience. 
So the the process on the on the first hangover was uh, was really really uh, special, really great time. So he brings up something interesting in that last part, and Chip, you'll probably be able to to enlighten a bit about it. But it's this delineation between actors and comedians, mm-hmm. um, comedians who act, actors who can be funny. Right. Like I really do think that there is a difference. Uh huh. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 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 there is no difference, and you either are an actor or not. But I I do think there is a difference. Yeah. Well, definitely. So anyway, the movie for the two people out there that didn't see it, it's about uh, these guys that go on on a uh, bachelor's uh, weekend in Las Vegas, and um, they take uh, ecstasy and forget everything, and they lose the bachelor. They lose the bachelor, and the next day they have to piece together what happened. And Mike Tyson's there, and a tiger's wandering around, and somehow they get everything hold in of the a movie. Baby. Yeah, everything in the movie has been canceled, basically. Mike Tyson <laughs> in the past like ten years. Exotic pets, <laughs> exotic no, pets. Know. Mike, though, no. <laughs> adopt. You got Mike Tyson. <laughs> they throw on the f word in this movie a lot. I remember. Right, and not fuck. Mm. It There's might not of... have aged as well as as some uh, of the greatest uh, com- comedies of all time, but it still is a beloved comedy, and um, it was wildly, wildly popular. It is made the upshot. eight hundred billion dollars and birthed two sequels. Long story short, Zach auditions, gets the part, <laughs> and the rest is history. Obviously, but just explain his his character though, because his character was something special. Alan was his character, I think. He lives with his mother, and he's very sincere and kind of not just the funny part of the movie, but also the heart. And I think he names the group the Wolf Pack. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. <laughs> hey, guys. You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Who brought this guy along? Yes. Alan, we are ready to let the dogs out. Hey, congrats. Nothing. Hey, there's Skittles in there. Don't let the beard fool you. He's a child. It's funny because he's fat. We're getting dug back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. I consider myself a bit of a loner. I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. But when my sister brought Doug home, I knew he was one of my own. And my wolf pack, it grew by one. So were there two of us, there were two of us in the wolf pack. I was alone first in the pack, and then Doug joined in later. And six months ago, when Doug introduced me to you guys, I thought, wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure, I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. <laughs> All right. All right. Four of us wolves running around the desert together in Las Vegas looking for strippers and cocaine. Who else is in the movie, Seth? Bradley Cooper, Justin Bartha, and Ed Helms. Wow. But yeah, he is the heart. He he is sort of like an innocent man-child kind of character, but he he wants there to be actual bonding going on and and it's kind of sweet but then you know he he ends up with this baby in a bjorn and um he has the beard and the sunglasses and he's quite the easy to dress up as halloween character right and And that's uh, always when you know you've made it 
into the <laughs> popular conversation is when you're a Halloween character. Exactly. And and so anyway, it was a huge hit, changed his life, made him, you know, major A-list star. Um, but also, you know, with success comes uh, an intense shift in your, your lifestyle. And, and here he is explaining what the character of Alan's popularity did to his own life. I think I was kind of turning into that guy for a little bit mm. when I was still drinking. Uh-huh. I mean, people would send drinks over like because they were like, oh, you must be just like that guy, that, that character you're playing. I'm like, maybe I am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, you know, it's it's a people of that hangover character has been. It took a few years to realize to get people like I wouldn't just I just wouldn't go out in public because it was too much. It was it, and I'm not complaining, but it was just a thing. That was like, I, you know, we just want to go have a quiet night. And I would eat only where old people ate back then. I mean, now no one gives a shit at all about who I am. Thank God. But um, I was like, I would, I would go eat at uh, where I knew there was just the elderly, because it was people would just sit down with you while you were eating. Where, where, it was where, that where type was that? of silver Froman's. You ever eaten at Froman's? Froman's? I used to go eat at Froman's on Wilshire. <laughs> <laughs> and it also, I should go eat there now because I still would be the youngest person by 40 <laughs> years. But um, Froman's is the place I would go. Wow. Because I noticed there was a, not a lot of people there that had seen The Hangover. Have you been back to Vegas since all The Hangover stuff? I went once because uh, I was working there. Uh, I was filming another movie at the Grand Canyon. And then one night I had this dumb idea. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, hey, um. What if I walk around Vegas as the character? Wow. So I got my, my outfit. What year was this? This was like two years after the movie. I mean, oh it was still God. in the ether. <laughs> and the whole thing, and there's film of it. There's like, We videotaped it. And I think the initial thing was I was going to act like I was the original guy and that Hollywood stole that from me. <laughs> but I think most people thought I was a lookalike. Right. And just didn't. Like, why would I be walking around Vegas? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have exactly. seen people dress like me on Halloween. And on Hollywood as Boulevard. As that character. I know that guy. There's a regular. Have you met him? Uh, if it's the guy, there was a guy in Vegas who was a chef who quit to become that, to do that for a living. And I met him the same trip. I went to, to see where he was busking and I asked for a cut. <laughs> but And then we walked around Vegas together for about... 20 minutes just I just was curious like what is like you make you that's the thing <laughs> and uh so yeah uh and his name I forget his name but yeah I've met him so he moved to LA because there's one outside the Chinese I, the theater. guy out front side of the uh man's uh the ch what's it called Chan's mayonnaise theater <laughs> <laughs> so out of it, this town <laughs> you know, have a premiere at the Chan's mayonnaise theater <laughs> I thought of the greatest name for a comedy club the other day. Uncle Tampon's Comedy Cave. <laughs> well, I just, you know, because sometimes comedy clubs have like goofy names like Russians. <laughs> Uncle Tampon's Comedy Cave made me laugh. Oh, um, but what were we talking about? Who is Uncle Tampon? Oh, when you went back to Vegas. Oh, yeah. So we put my thing on. And I was trying to do some weird social experiment. No one cared. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't, like, whatever I was trying to do for my own personal satisfaction, I, I, it never, 
it was a debacle. I think my goal was to act like I was somebody else that they had stolen the character from because I wanted to hear what other people had to say about that. It just never, no one was interested. But it's on film somewhere. I don't know where it is. The last time I was in Vegas, I stayed at uh, Caesars and there's, um, you know, uh, video slots everywhere of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember having the specific thought this would be weird for Zach Galifianakis just to be walking through this lobby and see these slot machines with millions of your faces flying yeah. up and down. I haven't seen that. I haven't. I haven't seen the slot machines. I remember once I was at a slot machine with my mom in Vegas when we were filming The Hangover. She came to visit me. Uh, was I guess we were there for Hangover for a promotion or something. The first Hangover had already been out, and uh, I was playing the slots with my mom. And these guys were like, "Hey, can we?" Can I get a picture with you? I was like, guys, can you not say I'm with a prostitute? <laughs> and my mom, she goes, what did you say? Because her hearing's off, and I told repeated the joke, and she laughed so hard. <laughs> she didn't hear the insult. I had to repeat it to her, and then she laughed. Uh, but, um, yeah, I haven't, Vegas is not, not my not town. town, no. <laughs> never, never really has been. Can I just say, Seth, that I, I love that you were thinking about what Zach Galifianakis, whom at that point you had never met. <laughs> I know. It's kind of kind of creepy that I was like saying that to him, but I, I don't know. But it's not because Zach is one of those guys that even if you, he just engenders such goodwill and you think, well, that dude's probably just a good person. And he really is he's one of the good guys. Right. So. Yeah. Bradley he, Cooper's he, face was flying up and down the uh the, the jackpot man. I, I didn't think of him. Yeah, I you might not think of him, but Zach is, <laughs> has such a lovable quality, and he just seems like really just one of those low key people that people feel they have some kind of ownership of because he is just an everyman, and he's not affected by show business stuff. He's not one of those people that'd be like, well, I think maybe they wanted me for that part because maybe I won a Tony Award or something. You know, he's not ever going to say something like that. Yeah, he's not playing the Hollywood game and is very authentically, you know, just doing his own thing. And people are coming to him because he's so talented, which is, I think, very, very rare. But really great and great to have a front row seat of that. Yeah, and he doesn't do a lot of podcasts, so we were lucky to get him. And he doesn't really have a lot of interest in social media at all or the current state of affairs yeah, regarding and social media. But he has a lot of thoughts about that. You know, he's consciously anti, I think you could say, when it mm. comes to a lot of the way things are marketed and you know, promoted and influenced and whatever else the hell is taking over the right. world these days in, in the digital age. But it's, it's interesting to hear his own thoughts on it. And a lot of a lot of his his jab sort of came through the lens of the Hollywood reporter, which I guess, you know, is a mirror of all that. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't take it personally. But but here here he is uh, uh, talking about that stuff. What if like real journalism? No offense, Hollywood reporter. <laughs> I.e. me. <laughs> like it was like, <laughs> wait, are you, do you, are you, he's, do you he's work journalist. here? Yeah. Oh. But, but keep like, going. I, I, know. I want you to make fun of it. Like, <laughs> well, make fun look, of it I more. Make, look, just because I make fun of it doesn't mean I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> just because just what I say, I'm not agreeing with what I say. <laughs> but I, it is funny that the business of this business, I mean, I started noticing actors started dressing like agents. A few years ago, I was like, "What? 
like I want to talk. Like they started dressing up, like, like wearing actors. suits. And stuff? Yeah, like you can you can see it. Because it used to be identified, you could identify the agents. They were the only ones wearing. That's suits. right. That's right. And we become the whole country has. I forget. I never can pronounce it right. America. What is the combination of democracy and corporization? Corporatocracy is is that is that what is that the is that the sure. word? Plutocracy? No, it's it's when we are so inundated with business talk. Like now, I hear actors talk about their brand. I'm like, oh. shut! You're not. A, you're a human. Mm. That's Wall Street talk. Someone told you that you're a brand, and now you think you're a brand. Like it's ridiculous. The way we are now in the art world is so corporate. It's it's become. I, like the business has taken over the creative. Oh, totally. The marketing of movies is given much more thought than the creating of movies I've noticed of late. Not much more thought, but it's over the years I've noticed like marketing is the onus on that is much more important than making something good. Right, right. Can I see the poster of what you're pitching? Yeah. So it's, it's a, I, I've, I have noticed that like the artists are getting influenced by that realm and it it does bother me i went to speak to an acting class my friend uh craig uh taught acting at long beach and he asked me if i would come speak to his acting class i was like me i mean okay i will but i mean i, I don't know what to tell them but they were like what is your brand zach i'm like it's <laughs> <laughs> so one of the kids asked yes oh wow oh yeah yeah. Do you do you hear that term brand Too among much. your Yeah, just like people are crazy. <laughs> they, they they say it to make them seem more important. And also this idea of thought leaders. Right. It's, 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 disruptors. Yeah. Oh, disruptors. What's influencers? No, you're an advertiser. <laughs> you are an advertiser. And all all you gotta do is look look up what Bill Hicks had to say about advertising. You ever seen that? Oh yeah. Yeah, well, he's from your neck of the woods. If you're in advertising, kill yourself. Yeah. Not a joke. Not a joke. I don't know him. I'm doing him like Jeff Foxworthy. (laughs) By the way, if anyone here is in advertising or marketing, kill yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Just a little thought. I'm just trying to plant seeds. I think it'll come back around that it's shameful. Yeah. Again, like it will. Just these things come... They, they change over 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 time. Uh, I mean, I, even a few years ago, you can't even imagine. Like, there's almost a pride. Look, I've sold out. We we all, you know, you you do you sell it like you try to do a thing for an entity because it gets you excited. But you know, I was just a stand up telling diarrhea jokes. Happy <laughs> <laughs> days in UCLA. That was yeah. completely happy. But then you get new things. Then like, oh yeah, I'd like to go do that. And so, but it's it's a it's a weird atmosphere. I, I, I the young people that have to navigate it with social media and stuff. I I don't know how right they, they do that where they where there's no cutoff between their their real their life life and their entertainment life. And I I've heard of actors that tweet their whole move and it, something's missing to me from their life. Mm-hmm. When they have to do that, how much attention do you need? Actors who tweet all day, or what? I'm just saying in general. Like I've heard of people that are basically in studios at, expect you to have a reality show now about your life, like, mm-hmm. and the the lack of artists saying, "Hey, no, I don't do that." Is I, I'm surprised that more people are not guarding their privacy mm-hmm. and their artistic side. 
more than than they are. Do you get a lot of heat from, from Hollywood for not being more out there on social media? No, nobody cares about me in social. No, but you are asked to tweet for a pro. I'm absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> are not. you even on That's it? That's awesome. I, I'm on it because someone else will say they're you mm-hmm. if you're not on it. So the first time my, my MySpace, what was it called? MySpace? Yeah, MySpace. Oh, MySpace. Came around. I joined it because I think for young comics or entertainers, it's really good to advertise shows. And that's about the extent of it, I think. But there was a guy in Alaska say, claiming he was me to try to meet ladies. And that, that was my point was like, uh, uh, you might want to try somebody else's profile that you want to kidnap because using mine is not going to work. Take it for someone that's tried. Um, so that was social media. And then that, that's my first like my first interaction with social media was false. I mean, and I just thought it was a really weird way for human beings to go. And that's why I never went on board with it. Human beings acting in an anom- anonymously, some of us is a bad start for something. Yeah. It's it just weird. is. That, a, and we never stopped to go, hey, hey, what is this new thing? Human beings acting in, is bad news. And I just wish we would stop as a society to chat about it. There used to be futurist. Welcome back. Uh, <laughs> there used to be futurists that work for the government that would predict these social changes and shifts. And then I think what happened, I may, I, I would assume all those people went and worked for businesses to predict, to make money. So it's a, it's interesting, all this stuff. Uh, and then when you're my age, you're going to be wondering what happened also. <laughs> right. I mean, it's generational, some of this stuff to me. I mean, are you guys online a lot? Are you? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Yeah. To me, that I just, I just don't know. And I also don't think America is Twitter. I just don't think Twitter is a good reflection of what really is going on. Never, never have. Mm-hmm. So this chat, 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 noisy, noisy, noisy is a waste of time to me. Nothing, of, no. not your what, not your time. But I think as a society, we're really, and it's why we're fighting with each other too. It just is. There's just no way about it. You can't convince me otherwise. So you're on Twitter all the time. I'm not on Twitter yes, that much. Yes, you are. No, I, just to look at your thing. Oh, whatever. I mean, I got to agree with Zach. I mean, look at <laughs> look at the state of uh, the union. You the are state on of the union is Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, so is, so is the president. So there you go. The president's on Twitter. <laughs> and he's such a great role model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe he has a point. But what was great was on Between Two Ferns, which was his web comedy series where he plays a withering talk show host who who's just really mean to his guests and it never gets old and he's had presidents on the show he had obama yeah which was pretty amazing i have to know what is it like to be the last black president seriously what's it like for this to be the last time you ever talk to a president it, it must kind of stink though that you can't run you know three times you no, know actually i think it's a good idea uh you know, if I ran a third time, it'd be sort of like doing a third Hangover movie. It didn't really work out very well, did it? Now, I have to say that I've seen this show before, and uh, some of the episodes have probably been a little bit better than this. You know, for example, the one with Bradley Cooper, that was a great Bradley show. Bradley Cooper, everybody loves He kind of carried that movie, didn't he? Which, which film are you speaking of? 
uh, the, the, those uh, Hangover movies. Uh, he, basically, he carried them. Yeah, everybody loves Bradley. Good for him. Good looking guy. Being like that in Hollywood, that's easy. Tall, handsome, that's easy. Be short, fat, and smell like Doritos and try to make it in Hollywood. But uh, that led into an interesting discussion about our current president. What would you ask, uh, what if, you know, he who shall not be named our president was uh, was on between two ferns? Like, what, what question would you ask Trump? I mean, I don't assume he goes to therapy, but if he did, I would ask how many therapists have committed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my first. But I wouldn't have, I, I'm not interested, I'm not interested in having... Oh, of course not. I mean, he, he he is anti-humor. Yeah. I mean, he's great for humor, but he's. I mean, look, what are we going to waste our energy on 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 um, my hero? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I hope you had a good laugh out of uh, Zach's visit. Uh, we definitely did. That was a real fun interview. Yeah, and a show where we like to laugh. I think this one broke the uh, the laughometer. So thank yes. you, Zach. Yeah, it's just so great that he came to do that for us and um, just the best guy. So much fun to talk with Zach, even if the show was supposed to be about the hangover, but ended up being about the hangover for 10 minutes. But Some of our best episodes have strayed far from the subject path. To, yes. To discover the highways and byways. of An accession of digression. Yes. Is that is that a title? Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. But uh, but of course, it doesn't matter when it's entertaining, and Zach is always entertaining. We had so much fun, and God, he made us laugh so much. Yes, thank you uh, a million, Zach, for, for gracing us. And to everyone this season, and we've had some amazing guests who've told us some amazing stories. Uh, we are just so grateful. It really has been kind of surreal. You know, you're supposed to pretend to be professional and stuff, but... A lot of these interviews, I didn't need a laxative to quote Richard Donner. <laughs> well, that was more than I needed to know. <laughs> what? But, <laughs> but no, thank you. Uh, this was the second season of, of one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done in my life. So thank you for being here for it, Chip. Thank you for being next to me for it. Oh my gosh, thank you. And thanks for everybody who puts the show together. But most of all, to our audience, thank you. We know there are eight zillion uh, podcasts out there. So the fact that, that you started today, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you take your time to sit with me and Chip and uh, and our guests and and relive some of these chapters, it means a great deal to us. So yes. thank you. And uh, we will be on hiatus. A little birdie told me that we are coming back for a third season. Woo! Something to look forward to. Wow. And um, until then, we'll, we'll see you in Hollywood. Hollywood.